Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. New Books in Economics, brought to you by EAEPE, the European Association for Evolutionary Political Economy. Welcome to this episode of New Books in Economics. From this edition, from this show, I am creating the new series of New Books in Economics that is now brought to you by EAEP, which is the European Association for Evolutionary Political Economy. Uh, this is a prominent European scholarly association of economists and we are now in Budapest where we are holding our annual conference and we took this occasion to start the new series of new books in economics. I am here with Carlo Di Politi and Salvatore Monni and my name is Andrea Bernardi. I work at Oxford Brookes University in the UK and my colleagues Salvatore and Carlo will introduce themselves in a second but we are here today to present you a new book published in 2017 by Routledge, and the book is called The Routledge Handbook of Heterodox Economics, and the subtitle is Theorizing, Analyzing, and Transforming Capitalism. So it's a very, very strong title, a very strong subtitle, and we have a lot of questions to ask to his author, Carlo. But first, let me introduce Salvatore Moni. I'm an associate professor in Development Economics at Romatic University. And Carlo, what about you? I'm associate professor at Sapienza, University of Rome. Yes, yeah, so those are the two, uh, well, two of the three largest universities in Rome. Uh, but this book, uh, this handbook, uh, involves uh, also the, involved the work of two more colleagues. Uh, can you tell us something, Carlo, about your co-editors of this handbook? Yes, this is a, a collective edited volume of which I'm just one of the editors. The other two are, are Tahir Jo, who is Associate Professor of Economics at State University at Buffalo, and Lynn Chester, who is Associate Professor at the University of Sydney. Perfect, very good. How did you, if I may start, uh, how did you hand together, how this book uh, uh, happened to, to be written by, by you three? The book... Uh, answers to a need that has been there for quite a while, I would say. Uh, personally, I was in a chronological order the last to enter uh, this, this enterprise. So when I arrived, the ambitious subtitle that you just mentioned was already <laughs> decided, but I totally agree with it. Uh, so Tahi Joe and Linchester were really uh, the initial engine of the project. Uh, still, I think it's a very timely book and it was really needed and we really hope that will be other ones, possibly better. Why not? Very good. By the way, I, I gather from uh, the affiliations of your colleagues that there is already a global, even more than international perspective uh, among the, the authors of this uh, important uh, new book. Uh, let's start uh, with uh, a couple of questions. Well, first is uh, what is handbook and then what is heteroeconomics, just to, to start from the two keywords of this title. Well, okay. The handbook is a collection of um, relatively short essays written by either very experts of the field or emerging new scholars 
uh, that aim to introduce uh, people who are maybe not really specialists of a certain field. Uh, so in this case, heterodox economics, uh, they will try to sketch the state of the art and possibly give their own subjective interpretation of future directions, challenges for the field and where are we going? So perfect. Who should be uh, buying this this book? A colleague, a student, a graduate student? This book is mainly aimed at advanced students, so basically graduate students, and of course to colleagues, uh, especially since uh, most economists will have possibly a very little knowledge of many of the topics that have been dealt with in the single chapters. But which is exactly the meaning of heterodox economics? Hey, this is a very tricky question, and possibly it will <laughs> not put me in a nice situation with other editors. Because if you ask somebody about what is heterodox economics, you may receive more than one answer from just one person, possibly. Uh, so I would say it is an umbrella term. Um, it does not stand for uh, a definitive, uh, conse consistent theory or approach, but rather it is a collection of various uh, intellectual traditions that are alternative to the mainstream in economics. Um, that is why I personally think it's a very important project. I mean, uh, the crisis, and not just this crisis, um, has shown what, what even the Queen Elizabeth, uh, with, with her uh, answer about why did not nobody see this coming, has shown that there are troubles with the economics profession. A lot of economists, in my view, and in the view of many of the authors of our handbook, uh, do not use the right methods or possibly do not follow the right approach. Uh, but normally what has been going on for decades within economics is that so-called heterodox economists, on which we may <laughs> come back later possibly, um, used to uh, criticize the mainstream. Instead, uh, what we show in the handbook is that there is a lot of constructive work different theories that we believe are more realistic and more useful for society as a whole. So you mentioned uh, something that maybe our listeners do not know. Uh, you were talking about uh, Her Majesty the Queen in London, uh, going to the London School of Economics and asking why nobody could forecast or could anticipate the recent 2007-2008 financial crisis. Um, so the Queen is puzzled. But what about the mainstream economists? What a mainstream economist uh, would say about this book? What about this title, for, for example? What would they say? <sighs> I must say that the title, and especially the word heterodox, uh, is not widely shared. Many, many people who are possibly to be considered heterodox economists do not uh, agree with the term because it gives an idea of an opposition or a minority position. Instead, what we are, talking, what we are really talking about is alternatives. The most notable alternative is that uh, I and most of our co-authors or uh, contributors to the handbook uh, believe that society is very complex and is evolving. As a consequence, it is very difficult that you can completely understand it and interpret what is going on if you just use one theory or one method. So, for example, one of the major characteristics of our, of our handbook, of which I'm very proud, I must say, is that every single contribution tries to integrate at least two or more intellectual traditions within economics. Economics is a very diverse field. It has a lot of uh, competing and, and, uh, and alternative views that should be put more on the ground, that should be highlighted, this diversity, rather than just 
pretending that we also have that we only have the answer when we in fact we don't wow very good so uh, i see from the from the index uh, that this book in fact is covering uh, a lot probably almost well not not everything but many many sub disciplines and, and field and here we, we have already you teaching economics and salvatore teaching development economics which are already two different sub-disciplines. Uh, I, I would like to ask you, uh, if, what do you think among those chapters is uh, the one that looks like more different to a traditional handbook, a traditional textbook of economics? Mm, okay. Um, there has been research concerning, for example, uh, looking at uh, what sort of uh, works would an economist typically cite, you know, the references of, of articles, books and chapters. And what emerged is that uh, the typical heterodox economist will start by first criticizing some mainstream economists, then refer, refer, making references to his own intellectual tradition or his, his own previous works, I must say. And only later, maybe, it will cite someone else. So what is really special uh, about most of the chapters, including in our uh, collection, is that they start out from a, a completely new and different and alternative perspective. This could be, I don't know, Marxian economics, feminist economics, social economics, uh, really a very wide uh, range and collection. But what is specific is that they, they do not accept the framing of, of, of mainstream economics. Rather, they start from, from a new... Okay, this is a very, a very powerful structure. By the way, let me uh, read something from the index for our readers that do not have the book in their hands. Uh, so we have part one, introduction, the state of the art and challenges of heterodox economics. Then we have part two, the theoretical course of heterodox economics. And then uh, we go to part three, which now I can find... Uh, uh, which is here, yes, the anatomy of capitalism, and then we have part four, the dynamics of the capitalist socio-economic structure, finally part five, transforming the capitalist social provisioning process, and then there are some conclusions. So in total we have 37 chapters, and there are so many uh, colleagues that... Uh, 44. 44. We have 44 oh. contributions from 16 different countries. Uh, I must say uh, I'm a little bit sorry that we only have one third of women economists. We were aiming for 50%, of course, but it's not been possible for several reasons. In a sense, this uh, will establish a benchmark for future handbooks to do even better, of course. Well, 33% is not bad at all. Mm. Um, and, and they also come from different continents and different... Uh uh, regional backgrounds. Huh? Yes, 16 countries, as I said. Uh, I must say that the geographical development of alternatives to mainstream economics is, is very uneven. Uh, there is a strong mm. development in Europe, in mm. Northern America, uh, a little bit in Latin America as well, yeah. uh, and of course in Australia. That's, that's where the largest communities are active right now. This is not to say, of course, that nothing is taking place in Africa or in Asia. It's just very much less developed so far. Uh, now, so as I said, we are talking from uh, the venue of uh, the 2017 conference of the EIEP Association, uh, and this is uh, the most important pluralist heterodox association of economics in Europe. Um, so uh, do you think in North America this book would have uh, a bigger market or a smaller market in relative terms compared, compared to Europe? Ha. Huh. 
Um, this is a difficult question. Uh, I am not uh, 100% sure. Uh, it may be that uh, there are possibly more heterodox economists in Europe than in the US. I know for sure that in Italy, from some surveys, some 15%, so one economist out of six will identify himself or herself as not belonging to the mainstream, and more or less the same was found in the UK. But, for example, I, I do not really know about Germany, France, or other countries. Very good. But now, uh, now we are in 2017, and this is just the end of the financial crisis for uh, for the latest European countries to 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 get out of the financial crisis. And is it a chance that this book has been published in this moment? Uh, because let's say we we hope that during the financial crisis, uh, the the, the not the attack, not the well. We, nobody was really uh, believing that there would be a crisis of capitalism. But let's say we have, we spent the past ten years uh, discussing what could be fixed in, in our current capital system. So is this book uh, anyhow a contribution to rethinking the the economics or rethinking the economic policies uh, uh, after the crisis? Yes, definitely. Our, our um, contributors were asked to mostly deal with uh, economic theory or economic policy. So we don't, do not have a lot of um, discussions about, for example, methods or philosophy. Uh, concerning economic policy, I must say that I, I am among those, and so are most of our contributors, who believe that the crisis is, is the result of a number of different uh, trends that were accumulating for decades. Many of these trends are still there, so there's still a huge need for different sort of economic policies. Um, well, I, a critic might say, well, we are out of the crisis through the toolbox of traditional economics. So the European Central Bank and even the, the Fed, uh, I don't know, let's see your opinion. No, I would disagree with this. Uh, first of all, there are still many European countries that are not really out of the crisis. Uh, for example, the three of us, we are Italian, and I've just seen the, the forecast by the IMF, which is not you know, known as, the, as a, a main pillar of the progressive movements. And still, uh, by their uh, <laughs> forecasts, even uh, in 2012 and 22. Italy will not have the same level of yes. real GDP that yes. we had before the crisis. Let us not talk about Greece, offshore. But even concerning the US, a, a very large number of even mainstream economists, like Summers, for example, talk about the idea of secular stagnation. So this idea that we have to uh, adapt to a different world in which possibly many of our expectations or aspirations will not meet met. Yes, I uh... Well, what I think is we should not accept this idea that, for example, that it is normal for a country to have more than 10% unemployment. What we should change is the, the structure of, of many economies and most of all the economic policies that are possibly the cause of this dire situation. Yes, I cannot disagree with this. Uh, Salvatore, so you teach uh, development economics. Uh, is there even within development economics a mainstream and an heterodox approach? Uh, yes. Yes, there's um, uh, yeah. Developed economics uh, um, is, a, is a field of the studies where uh, heterodox economics is a, is a very strong, especially in some 
to, to, to better understand some, some policy in, uh, in, in a poor country, in poor regions, especially Latin America and Africa, where, it's not, uh, where the, the market uh, doesn't work like in the, in the, in the rich country. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have to find a different way to, to fight uh, poverty and uh, institutions or institutional problems. Mm-hmm. But the question I would like to, to make to, to Carlo, what do you think will be possible in the, in the future? to have uh, the heterodox economics become uh, mainstream economics. <laughs> because in the past, no, mm. something similar happened. Okay, not exactly, but if you, if you think about uh, the Keynesian revolution, yeah. eh, was uh, heterodox uh, before the, the crisis. After the crisis, uh, Keynesian revolution Keynesian theory became uh, mainstream. We can have uh, something similar with... Uh, Good point. I think it is partly already taking place. Uh, for example, uh, well, if, if you want to talk about the crisis, many of the ideas by Minsky have been taken by many mainstream economists, to make an example. Uh, and I, I, you do observe a trend by which uh, many mainstream economists try to integrate Uh, interesting ideas from people who do not think the same. The most obvious example would be behavioral economics, who might one might regard as nowadays a fairly mainstream field of economics, in which they try to overcome some of the most patently wrong assumptions that many economists have been doing for decades. Uh, but what I, th- what I also think is that this is not really ch- challenging the overall framework, the overall approach of mainstream economics. That will remain based on the idea that, um, that people are, are perfectly rational and, they, um, and they, all, they are mostly selfish. It will be based yeah. on the idea that economics is about the allocation of scarce resources rather than uh, the way in which we organize the reproduction of society. Uh, I think mainstream economics will selectively uh, incorporate some insights from heterodox economists, often without uh, explicitly recognizing it. But in contrast, I do not see competing theories to be accepted within the economics profession. For, no, just for, for developed economics, it's quite normal to, to think that uh, it's, not, it's not enough uh, to have um, economists not to study the, the society. Mm. You need uh, interdisciplinarity. Uh, you need to speak with uh, other social scientists from other mm. disciplines. What about economists? <laughs> well, uh, the, you are entering a very heated debate about the so-called economic imperialism. What mainstream economists would normally do is not talking to other uh, social scientists, but rather teaching them what they should be thinking. Uh, they take this economic model, a baseline one, and apply it to any country in the world, as you mentioned exactly. before, or to any situation. So you have the very similar economic logic applied to marriage, To, to dating a, a girl or a boy, or to buying stocks in the, in, the, in the markets. It's just the same for them, you know? It doesn't really matter because they believe they have the best method and, the, and, and they have all that is worth, worth saying. When you say imperialism, do you, do you mean that uh, there is an imbalance of resources and space that makes uh, the competition between heterodox economics and mainstream unfair, so you are not able to win the battle of ideas? Is there a conspiracy against uh, heterodox uh, theories, or just you are not 
somebody might say, as good as the mainstream economist in competing for ideas? <laughs> well, the, the word imperialism was actually used by sociologists who always complain that the economists do not, are not interested in exchange with them, but only want to uh, take a higher standing and, and establish a pegging order. But yes, you are actually referring to a very important problem in, in several countries, Italy, UK, but not only France, Australia. Uh, there is a growing trend globally to try and uh, develop... What, what, are, what are supposed to be objective measures of research quality, of which uh, the main aim is um, pretending that you can evaluate a researcher or a university or a paper without reading what, what they have wrote, written. I understand that this answers to a very, you know, uh, practical problem, because if you want to, for example, to allocate funding, you cannot read thousands of papers. I do understand this, but as a general concept, I, I do not think this method can be accepted for at least two reasons. Uh, first of all, because very often, uh, I mean, in general, you have to read something to recognize its quality because it can be a very promising paper that only in a few years will actually emerge and be recognized by the other colleagues. Um, and because, the second reason, is that many of these so-called objective measures are in fact found to be very much biased if you look at them. Uh, so, for example, the, the most famous one, the impact factor, uh, is produced by a private corporation, as you may know, and when some researchers have tried to replicate them, they could not obtain the same numbers. And then you have other sorts of problems that are specific to economics. For example, many uh, heterodox economics journals are not indexed within these databases. And as a consequence, what we write literally does not count. Instead, one could argue that in this database, you can nowadays find even not so relevant, maybe mainstream journals. Yes, I, I agree. And working in the UK, I, I can feel this very much because probably it is the country in Europe where... Uh, the importance of uh, being, for example, in, in publishing in the ABS list, which is the list of the most important journals, is particularly important. Uh, whatever you produce outside that list is not important. Actually, even if you produce a book, is not particularly important. So mm -hmm. we are not actually incentivized <laughs> to publish a handbook because uh, it, is very, it is very unlikely that it will go uh, to the ref submission to the submission of the um, research outputs. Uh, it's the same in Italy. <laughs> I had an argument with my partner because from the point of view of our national agency of evaluation, I should have better spend this time going to the beach or some mountain. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's go to the chapters. What if uh, I ask you in terms of methodology? Now we discussed about ideas and also we mentioned some policies. So what about the, the methodologies? Is the... Uh, looking at the, the chapters of this textbook, a, a different methodological approach? It's a difficult question. I know, but in terms of, uh, so, uh, in terms of ontology and epistemology, this, uh, this is an, even a more difficult question. But, I mean, the, the, the war between uh, the heterodox economists and mainstream economics, is oh. it uh, a war of idea or also a war of methods? Yes, okay, I understand the point. Um, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, a, a specific trait of each and every single chapter in the handbook is that it, it has to engage with more than one intellectual tradition. Now, engaging doesn't necessarily mean uh, being in agreement with. It means recognizing that pluralism has to be at the basis of 
any method or any chapter one wants to, to write in our contribution. So uh, one single theory or one single approach cannot say all that is relevant about a certain topic. So we literally asked all the contributors to our handbook to try and engage with more than one intellectual tradition preferably with more than one heterodox intellectual tradition. So, for example, uh, in my own chapter, I deal with uh, both Marxian economy, economics, post-Keynesian economics, uh, feminist economics, and social economics. There are other chapters that deal with even a larger number of traditions. But uh, if we talk about students, uh, which are studying now in our universities, uh, Uh, do you think they are exposed to predominantly mainstream textbooks and, uh, and approaches? So is this book also an attempt to reverse this trend in teaching? I would say almost exclusively with, with heterodox teaching. Uh, sorry, with mainstream teaching, of course. Um, well, there are interesting experiments going on, especially since the crisis. There is, for example, this so-called core project uh, in the UK. Um, in Italy, we have very few uh, textbooks that also consider um, heterodox uh, economics. Uh, I would say that on the side of heterodox economics themselves, economists themselves, there is this habit of teaching to undergraduates just mainstream economics. And only when they grow up, they become more uh, skilled in many fields or disciplines of economics, then they are exposed to alternative theories. I think this, is, this sends a very wrong message for two reasons. On the one hand, not all students will go on and push for specialization in economics. So you end up with many students, for example, that will follow careers in journalism, public administration or whatever, uh, that then they believe that only mainstream economics exists or only it is relevant. On the other hand, to the students uh, studying economics, well, first of all, you created a mainstream imprinting that is then difficult <laughs> to, to challenge. And, and second, you give the impression that mainstream economics is what re is really relevant and the rest is just an add-on, something that you may, if you're very good, try to learn, but it's not so important in the end of the day. So, Salvatore, would you give this textbook to your students? Uh, could they become good economists only using, well, also other books, but starting from this handbook? Yeah, in, in my course, for example, I use uh, uh, mainstream textbooks and also heterodox books. Uh, because uh, I think it's not easy to, to say to this, our students, uh, um, you can use just heterodox uh, yeah. textbooks because... Uh, Of course, uh, when you when you go outside, uh, yeah. sometimes uh, they want to know if you if you know this this kind of uh, subject. But I think it's, it's also very important uh, also very important uh, to have uh, some heterodox textbooks uh, uh, close to the um, the mainstream uh, textbooks. But probably in uh, for developed economists, uh, it's easier because uh, it's the, the discipline is quite mm. uh, there's more debate. There's more debate. It's interdisciplinary. So, for uh, I, can, I can just make an example. Mm -hmm. When you speak about austerity, no, about mm -hmm. the plan of the austerity, uh, in developed economics uh, we we saw something similar. The austerity in the eighties with the adjustment plan, eh? mm -hmm. we had the the, the similar measure. Uh, we we saw that uh, this measure fail, was failing. Uh, in poor country, now we apply the same measure in the, in the rich country, so probably 
<laughs> yeah, I think what Salvador said is very important. It is not that we think that only heterodox economics should be taught to students. Students should be exposed to a large variety of views and then try to develop a critical attitude. That is what is really crucial in my point of view. So you, you have to know the model. Yeah. You have to know the model, but you have to know also the, the limits of the model. This is the point. I see from the index again that uh, several schools are mentioned in this book. Uh, for example, in terms of different theoretical perspectives, we have Marxian radical political economics, post-Keynesian Russian economics, institutionalist and evolutionary economics, feminist economics, social economics, regulation theory, social structure of accumulation approach, and also econo ecological economics. Um, wow, there is a lot. I would like to ask if you consider one of those approaches more endangered. Is there a more, even a more endangered species than others? And is there one heterodox approach which is more successful and so which is doing better than the others? Well, I, I will say that this depends on the country uh, of which you are talking about. For example, uh, in the US, you have a relatively large community of radical Marxist economists and post-Keynesian institutionalists. Uh, in Europe, you have probably um, more post-Keynesians and Strafians. Um, feminist economists are quite uh, widespread throughout the world, I would say. Um, but, well, whereas, for example, regulation is much more, it's much more, of course, uh, frequent and developed in France. So it, it really depends on the country. And this is partly a consequence of the fact that many of these theoretical traditions begin with some leading figure. So, for example, Veblen in the US or Keynes and, and Zraffa in Cambridge, or um, Alieta in France. I was thinking about uh, a film that I suggested, which is uh, Zabriskie Point uh, by Michelangelo Antonioni, and there is a scene at the beginning when the students uh, which were protesting in an American university uh, are arrested, and then they go to the police, and then there is a policeman asking uh, the name of a person, and he says, my name is Karl Marx. And then uh, the policeman asks, how do you spell Karl Marx? So the policeman <laughs> didn't know, uh, had never heard about Karl Marx. Um, I, what I was thinking about this, I, I mean, uh, a lot of this is surviving quite well, after all, we cannot complain, and there is uh, a mm -hmm. lot of... Um, economics, which is uh, quite lively, uh, despite uh, despite everything. So, at the end, are you optimist or pessimist about the future? Wow, uh, I think there is, or there should be, a strong social demand for a different sort of economics, because economists have been one of the root causes of a very large number of social problems that we live in in Europe, in the US, and in many developing countries, as Salvador was mentioning. So I think that our ability to success and possibly replacing the role of mainstream economics as the new mainstream economics uh, really depends on uh, how much can we really uh, become relevant for society, because that in the end should be our work, and how much can this be easily understood from, from the outside. And would you give tomorrow the keys of the European Central Bank or the keys of the Italian government or the keys of the German government to a to a heterodox economy, a fully 100% heterodox economy. Would you trust him? You have to <laughs> if you want to save the euro. <laughs>
Okay, so the keys of the economic institutions to the heterodox econ economists. Salvatore, do you agree? Would you also give the, the yeah, keys to them? Just one last uh, question for uh, Carlo. You know, uh, one of the, uh, uh, well, the more power of the mainstream economists uh, is to absorb ideas from heterodox economics. Do you think it uh, will be possible to absorb some idea from your book? Aha. S yeah, I totally agree with what you're mentioning. To the point that uh, today, I, I did not refer, for example, to the idea of neoclassical economics. I believe that mainstream economics has been fractured in, in several subfields, that they are already partly incoherent as a whole. They, they are very much in contrast. So I, I think it's very much probable that some field will take on some of the issues uh, that we raise. Uh, one of the most probable, because this has been repeated several times, for example, by central banks, to which Andrea was referring before, is that one major problem of macro, uh, of macro models in mainstream economics is that they normally ignore the financial side of the economy. And this is not just, you know, something that can easily be forgotten because arguably we live in a financialized capitalism. So it's one of the most important things and should probably be uh, the origin of most of the, of the trends and developments that we observe, not the other way around. Um, so this is something that may go on. Uh, or if you want a, a very um, technical aspect that I think is also not secondary as well. Um, what, what, again, in the macro field, what many heterodox economists are doing is creating models that are so-called stock flow consistent. This is a very complicated word. But what it means in the end is it's that... Um, as a whole, the various uh, accounting identities that you have in a model should turn out to be true. You cannot write a model that is not consistent with itself. Now, whereas in heterodox economies, they actively check that this is always the case when you do a model, in mainstream economies, in economies, you basically don't. So we are not always sure that they respect their own accountancy identities. I think they will go there. It's impossible that they do not want to, you know, create coherent models. Thanks. Well, this was a very good question. So if Salvatore is right, uh, that uh, the mainstream economists are very good in stealing ideas or in absorbing ideas from heterodox economics, we will have uh, a lot of books being sold <laughs> and read uh, around the world. So congratulations and good luck with your, with your book. Thank you very much for joining this podcast, uh, Carlo and Salvatore. Thank you for having me here. Thank, Thank you, Andrea. Goodbye. It was a pleasure.